You are now tuned in to another episode of Bourbon and Books, the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev. Welcome to another edition of Bourbon and Books with the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev. I'm KEV, that's RLJ, along with our cousin Jeff. Uh, we are back in the building again for this month's book. Uh, by Marcus J. Moore, The Butterfly Effect, How Kendrick Lamar Ignited the Soul of Black America. What's going on, fellas? I'm back. You back, back, man. We missed you, man. It's been a long time. Oh, that's what you're saying. Because I I listened to that last podcast. Oh, I'll tell you what I said. We ain't run your ass completely through the dirt, but yeah, we threw some dirt on your shoulders. So what? With two, two shovels. How you, gonna, how, you gonna, how you gonna skip out on Biggie Smalls, man? Come on, I, man. I, look, you had enough commentary. Jeff, did you, did you finish the book? Did you finish the book? Yes, but we on a different week. So <laughs> that means, let's, let's, that means let's focus, no. Let's focus on the, the duty at hand. Oh, you know, man. I also want to say you had enough commentary. You know, with me, there, that's, that show would have been two hours long. So I was kind of doing you a favor. The Butterfly Effect. From the cover and the title, what were the initial thoughts of the Butterfly Effect? Hmm. Well, for me, man, I thought it was hard. I thought the title was hard because I just knew it. It was like a, it was like an entendre based off of "To Pimp a Butterfly." So I, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of slick how they incorporated the, um, the 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 album into the title of the book." Uh, but after doing some research and reading the book and understanding that, um, like, I didn't know that. Uh, the song "All Right," Kendrick from Pimple Butterfly, the Pharrell Williams produced song "All Right." I didn't know that that um, they were chanting that during a protest for Tamir Rice in Cleveland, and that kind of that kind of rolled over into being like the theme music for all of the all of the social unrest and all of the BS that we legit been dealing with since Good Kid Mad City came out, right? And um, the title, I just thought was, I thought it was a brilliant, a brilliant title, um, kind of weaving in Kendrick as an artist, but also some of his uh, entertaining social commentary, how like we as black folks adopted that into all of the, the, the anger and the rage and the sadness and the protests and the, um, in our own social commentary as far as like what's been going on in our own neighborhoods. And so the title alone, I thought was dope. Um, and I, and I, I questioned though, how, uh, Kendrick Lamar could be the, like the voice for the soul of black America, just being, you know, on the scene since 2011, but the book, as I read the book, it kind of made more and more sense, but but first glimpse, the butterfly, the butterfly effect. I thought it was a dope title, um, and it made me kind of take a little deeper dive in terms of like why 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 to pimp a butterfly versus Good Kid, Mad City versus Damn versus some of his other work, where I feel like he was probably 
um, a little more of like a a soul evangelist or a soul journalist, you know what I'm saying? How they kind of honed in on that album specifically for the title. But yeah, I, I thought it, I thought it was dope. I thought it was dope. And in the end, you know, he's on the cover of the book. Like, I don't know if it's rain or at a concert or whatever, but it was like, all right, it, 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 it offered more questions than answers for me. And I was kind of excited to kind of get into the meat of the book to see what was going on. Yeah, I'll say for me, one, you know, if you know anything about movies, The Butterfly Effect was a movie that Ashton Kutcher played in. Great movie if you haven't seen it. Um, but the title alone, I knew that it was a play on Kendrick's album. Now, I would say in terms of his albums and the ones that are dissected the most, this one is... Um, if you know anything like back when I say back in that time, uh, you had like a few, I was a high school teacher out of New Jersey. And then you had a professor, an English professor that utilized that album to uh, both English teachers that utilized this album to talk to students and get them engaged. So to me, it made sense that, you know, a book would be coming out that kind of like played off that again, because this is, this is, one of his albums that people just kind of break down and talk about a lot. So when I saw the cover, I originally thought that this book would be solely about that one album and kind of going through, like taking apart that album solely, nothing else, just that album. Um, and I want to say, cause I mean, it's been a minute before I uh, read decoded, but I thought it would be kind of like Jay-Z's decoded, where you know it's like heavy just on like this one thing so that's what i originally thought like this book was going to be about and i was excited um to read it i when i read the title i initially um thought about um the theme you know the butterfly effect how very small things can eventually come together to create complex change or like substantial change and improvements um, for the greater good. And so I love the title, the title, right? How Kendrick, what was it, ignited the soul of Black America. And um, so just by the title, I was like, okay, cool. I already assumed, or I made the assumption that small things that Kendrick did would lead to where we are now. Um, so I made that assumption. Um, I did think that it was going to dissect a lot of his work and reveal some of the hidden meanings that we may or may not have been aware of, um, which added fuel to... Um, to the soundtrack because Kendrick's music has been the soundtrack to a lot of social change, if you will, especially within the black community. Um, so as we begin to open up the book and within the bounds of the book, what were your thoughts? Like to, to add to what you just said, brother Jay, um, when mm -hmm. you talk about like a lot of his work has been, the, the soundtrack behind what's going on. I just think us doing this book, 
I don't know. I don't know. Well, we didn't plan this. <laughs> let me let me just preface it. We didn't plan the book and the timing, but I, I think it's interesting that we are doing this book and this book review in a year where do you all know like every year Kendrick drops an album, the Golden State Warriors win a championship. Yep. Right. So we I we didn't plan it that way. It just it was like, oh, this seems like a dope book. Let's let's review it. And we kind of made that decision prior to the Golden State Warriors winning. So it's like it's social commentary around like um, social events in that aspect. But then um, the trailer, Wakanda Forever, uh, mm-hmm. Black Panther 2 just dropped. And they're Tough. in the change of that they're, they're weaving and mixing in. No woman, no uh, power. We're going to be all right. Tough. And I, I, I saw the trailer, man. And I lost it. I, I lost it, man. So um, when you talk about like the the soundtrack behind the social commentary, you know, the fact that Kendrick was like an executive producer on it for the soundtrack for Black Panther, the first Black Panther. Yeah. Right. Um, And so opening the book, I think what I, what I appreciated the most, um, I identify a lot with Kendrick and I'm the old, I'm the old, old head of the group, but um, you know, there's always this commentary about who's the GOAT, who's the greatest of all time, who's the best lyricist of all time, who's your top five, who's your top five. And for me, I'm biased because I came up in a different era. So for me, you know, it's always going to be Biggie, Jay-Z, and Nas, and ain't nobody rocking, ain't, no, ain't, ain't nobody touching them, right? But I will say that if, 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 if folks millennials, zennials, or whatever are looking at Kendrick as being the GOAT. Like, I, I can respect it and appreciate it, too. Right? Because um, as you get through as you get through the book, I identify a lot with Kendrick because I think, at least us on this on this, on this this uh, podcast, we ca- kind of came up in similar environments as Kendrick, where, you know, we was good kids, you know, we love video games. We like going to church. We like we like playing sports. We like um, doing normal stuff that kids do. But there were elements around us where shit could have went left or right real real quick. <laughs> and like we 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 I, and I, I will I will speak for y'all and correct me if I'm wrong. But you know, I don't think any of us proclaim proclaim to be thugs or gangbangers or killers on this on this podcast but things could have gone left or right quickly quickly <laughs> and so um a lot of the the earlier chapters in the book just kind of talking about how Kendrick became Kendrick um really resonated with me and one of the things that I could appreciate was that um people kind of recognize the brilliance or the gifts in Kendrick at an early age, whether it was like his OG uncles, his father. And one of the things that the book highlights is like a lot of the men in his life, they were still um, elders and and looked and caretakers of Kendrick. But a lot of times they ended up in compromising situations. Yeah. And I think like any, any hood in America, you have people that care about you and love you and want to protect you. And they might be in the streets hustling. They might be on drugs. They might, they might, uh, they might have gotten a domestic violence charge 
and it changed the course of their life when they was young. You know, so so it's a lot of different dynamics where um, it made me want to appreciate a lot of the elders and the OGs in my community that weren't as pristine, mm. but saw like gifts in me to want to make sure to steer me down the right path. And so when you talk about how Good Kid, Mad City came about, like I think um, in, in most in most black boys in America, there's there's a good kid mad city element in their life. Yeah, some agreed. form of fashion. You know what I'm saying? And it, it just gave me it gave me a greater appreciation um for Kendrick and his upbringing and the fact that he had to work to be true to himself, but more importantly, um how he had mentors and OGs that really looked after him, you know, whether it be um, Anthony Tiffin, top dog, top dog entertainment. Like he gave Kendrick the space and the patience to just be creative yeah, and to make mistakes and to keep his hand on them. And so one of the things that I, I thought about reading the book was like, damn, just the importance of, of mentorship and finding a good mentor that you can identify and relate to. So it ain't like, oh, well, you from the hood? Go meet with these black doctors and lawyers, and they can put you on to some shit. Like, yeah. nah, it was like, yo, I, I, I understand the challenges, and I'm trying to pre uh, prevent you from having some of the same pitfalls as myself. And I'm trying to make some money, but I'm gonna legit. I see the talent in you. I'm gonna invest in your talent. I'm gonna invest in you to develop. Like, I just don't think we have enough of that. Yeah. When it comes to black boys and men and black men in America, like imagine if imagine if you had gotten the space, brother Jay and cousin Jeff, like to just really focus on some shit that you was dope at or some shit that you was good at, you was kind of good at, but you weren't the best at it and you weren't great yet. But somebody just saw it in you and they just invested in it. Invested yeah. in it. Let me step on a, let me step on a couple people's toes. Yeah. And not, and not just sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, yeah, to, that's true. That's real. To yeah. your point, Kev, I think what happens is no fault of the individuals who are self self-ascribed mentors, right? I think individuals think they are being helpful, right? Like, oh. He likes basketball. Let me connect him with somebody that played basketball back in the day and and he can help him get to be great. Yeah. What I think is the error in that assumption is that the person that you are connecting them to has the capacity, the bandwidth, the tools, and the skills to actually coach and mentor because you can't just be a mentor just for the sake of mentoring, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone can't be a mentor. Yeah. You can sign up to be in a mentoring program, but it doesn't make you a mentor. Like mentoring is a gift. And going back to your point, many of us had mentors, but they didn't know what the hell they were doing. Right. And, and we had individuals who were, assuming the title of mentor, but they really were do as I say types of individuals, right? This is how you got to do it. This is what you got to do so you can make it because blah, blah, blah. This, this is what I did wrong. And so you don't want to do this. And it was like, actually, I don't want to do anything you're telling me because like, 
granted, you might have been good in high school at what you did, but like you never mentally, you never graduated. And we just had a conversation before I hit the record button about individuals who are still living in their heyday 20 and 30 years later. You 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 might have finished school, but you didn't graduate. Yeah. And so to your point, I think it was very honorable for him to one, allow Kendrick the space to figure out what he was strong at, what he was passionate about, and then forging his own way. He was there like as a hand to hold to make sure that he didn't fall, or if he did fall, that he didn't stay down too long. But he did allow him to feel the weight of the uh, the weight of gravity and the weight of the concrete as as you know as he climbed to the top. And so I that and was, he didn't that was give up point. on him because he ain't, he won't make no money. Like yeah. they they legit ain't make no money off of Kendrick until Good Good Kid, Mad City came out. Yeah, and think of you know that's what 04 to 2011 four four mixtape four mixtape tapes of EP and then the album. Yeah, and then all of the different storylines in it. But it was but the key was it was like there was always a mentor for Kendrick at some yep. point, whether it was Top Dog. Whether it was Tech Nine, when like Tech Nine put Kendrick on his first tour, and he kind of learned work ethic and discipline, to fucking Dr. Dre calling him one day, and he's eating eating at the Chili's with his homie, yeah. cussing <laughs> out whoever's on the phone because he ain't believe because he ain't was, believe him, you know what I'm saying? He was so, on Dr. Dre's team, yeah, and yeah, and even those cussings, you know, like his dad and even his girl, you know, even when she was jamming the Drake that was popular at that time, she knew that he can be on that level. And it, and again, she was telling him that. I think so many times, um, you you may know in your mind somebody can be great, but you don't articulate that to them. Yeah. It's just like, look, I'm here because I believe in you. So I think those things, those constants were just as important um, as well. A couple elements of the story that I like because I don't want to, I don't want to confuse elements of the story with this overall book. Just elements of the story that I like. Here it come. <laughs> I, I, th I, I think what's what's like good about these um, books sometimes is there's always this narrative that you know if you don't grow up in a certain household that's a certain way, you you won't be successful as a child. Or like success is very distant from your story. What I mean by that is I think his parents were everyday people. It wasn't nothing like special about them. I think his mom did hair, I believe. Remember in the book saying that? I think and his dad uh, worked in like fast food or something to that extent. At that time, they understood. They was living in Chicago. They knew the violence that was going on in Chicago. They was like, hey, we got to move to the West Coast. To make those pivotal, pivotal uh, just decisions and movements like early on in their child's life or for their family I thought that was just so important and it's something that gets just like glazed over like it was just like oh it's something that they did but they stay in that same situation who knows what road you know they're going down so I definitely like reading about that I also like how I would say the author called or I don't know if it was like Kendrick who named um this but you know, he called his dad's advice intelligent, intelligent ignorance, meaning like, you know, his dad wasn't no college graduate. His dad wasn't working no Fortune 500 company, but his dad knew, look, I done did some stuff in life. 
It's done led me here. I don't know all the answers, but I'm telling you, you know, if you go X way, this could happen. But he also was giving him that space to learn and grow. And if something happened, he was, as a father, he showed up for him to say, hey, I told you this would happen. So I thought like that element of the story was good as well. Side note, because I think all of us may have listened to the audio. The infliction of whoever was reading the, the lady's voice man yo yo when she did when she did mc8's voice i think that's when i lost it when she did mc8's voice i was like yo this is funny because then i wondered like what was the ethnicity of the woman and and because her dialect like she tried it but i i was like every yo. time every time she did somebody else's voice i'm like just read in a normal tone yo she did ice cube's voice and i was like damn you got ice cube sound like a real hater right now <laughs> i can't know what to expect i was literally dying <sighs> every time she was trying to regurgitate something other other than kendrick that they were saying was dying man that yeah i i i would agree with that but to your point though cousin jeff when you talked about his father like uh an, an example of the advice and the skill that his father had in terms of uh, mentoring and, and fathering Kendrick, real, real on Good Kid, Mad City, um, prime example of that. And the last thing I'll say too is just about this whole GOAT thing. I actually would say, when I say this generation, I guess we Generation Z or whatever it is, folks who behind us, I don't necessarily think they consider Kendrick the GOAT. I think this generation behind us has went through so much uh, from a social standpoint that this is a art, this is an artist doing like trying times who has like anthems that are wrapped into social justice. So he, I, like, I don't know what I would name him, but it's like, in this era in terms of just like social justice and making sure that um, your words have like power, words have meaning, I, like this is the guy. But you but, know what though, Jeff, I, I, I agree with that. And I, I would say maybe it's not the GOAT, but maybe you put Kendra in like the same lane as like a James Brown. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, Curtis Mayfield. Oh, most definitely. You know what I'm saying? Which is, which is ill because like that's, that's breaking out of like, uh, what you do as like an artist, like you're a rapper, like that's that's putting you up there with like the elites of the elites. You know, if it's Curtis Mayfield, James Brown, Stevie Wonder, Kendrick Lamar, just in terms of like the the impact that their music has on a time. Yep. That's that's ill because I think that's a greater compliment than calling somebody like you know one of the top five MCs because I, you you I crossing agree. generations. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah. That that type of music it surpasses like the time we're in now. Like it is planted not only here, but for generations to come. And you already see that. I already talked about it in a book, which I didn't know a couple of these things like hit um, this particular album is archived in the Harvard library. Um, obviously, as we talk about like school, whether that is, you know, high school, college, I don't know if they teach it in middle school, but it's, it's almost intertwined into the curriculum. So the, the things that he has put out there, it's not just for in the clubs. It's like, hey, let's break this down. What exactly was he trying to convey? What was going on during those times? 
So I think those were good elements for me um, of the book as I started to read. And you just said what was going on in those times. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the Heart Part 5 samples a Marvin Gaye record. And one of the probably one of the greatest albums, what's going on from a social commentary standpoint ever. And, and like to your point, Kendrick is kind of in that same wave. And I think he tried to do it again with Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers too. And last thing I'll say, you know, before I just turn it over, at least from reading the book, I felt like Kendrick was always trying to be true to himself, right? You know, sometimes when people are trying to accomplish a goal, trying to put out an album, it's like you are trying, I'm trying to have a number one hit. I'm trying to, you know, be on Billboard top five. I honestly feel like he was just trying to be just like a voice like for the people in terms of what's going on. And like, hopefully, hopefully that resonated with them. But I don't think he ever just like set out to be like, oh, I'm going to be this generation's James Brown. I feel like he wanted to put out something that was authentic, not only to him, but to uh, people who was around him and not just in Compton, not just in California, but like, this is what my people is going through. This is how this makes me feel. This is how I want this record to go, which I feel like is, is powerful. It's powerful, but it also, it was almost counterintuitive to um, a lot of the music that came out of Compton, California previously. Yep. Whether you're looking at MWA or gangster rap, or even Death Row, and and their whole their whole uh, run and dynasty that they developed as as, as well, and it was almost like Kendrick didn't um, he didn't try to mimic it, and it's like all right, I'm I'm from the streets, I'm not of the streets, right? Like he embodied, I think he embodied that that whole yep. that whole that whole line. I I am I'm from the streets, I'm not of the streets. But at the same time, like the streets have impacted me, whether or not my friends getting killed, my uncles getting killed, uh, people, people fucking with me because I'm not a gang banger that I actually like poetry. I actually like to read. I actually like to write. Yep. You know what I mean? So, but, so it's almost like, yeah, you got to fight. You got to fight the gang banging uh, persona. And you got to fight to be like a fucking literature, literature guru, a literature enthusiast. It's the same shit almost. It's like, yo, you either got to fight if you're wearing red or blue, or you got to fight to fucking get good grades and, and do good in school and, and learn and, 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 and articulate your fucking thoughts. Yo, it's the same shit, but it's, it's wild because that, that dumb shit only applies to us. It don't apply that, to nobody else, look, bro. That, that is literally what was on the tip of my tongue. I was like, I was going to say, this is probably the last thing I'm going to say right now. <laughs> That's like the craziest thing I feel like with this culture. It's one thing to, you like you out here trying to make, it don't matter what field you're in, but a lot of times as black folk, there are barriers that we create for our own selves. Like you got to get past the black curtain before you can really hit like mainstream success. And it's, yep. it's the craziest thing just ever. And we, but at, we hold ourselves, um, we hold ourselves back, but go. But to that point, right, and I think you and I, Jeff, we talked about this, like, the individuals who are within, I guess you could say, the um, the Oscar board within the Black community, they don't have credentials to qualify or quantify 
if someone passes the test, like the individuals who going back, and I know we're getting off topic, but I promise I'm, I'm going to bring it back, right? The Drake versus Beyonce, the new album versus just the new single. People were saying Drake was trash. Beyonce comes out with a similar type of, of song. They banging that shit. <laughs> it's all over the place, right? And like, I, I was like, Mm, the people who are saying, you know, first album was trash. Um, and then are saying, you know, this single is amazing. I'm like, yeah, let's look at your track record on what you say is the right thing that we as black people are supposed to be doing. Like, what are you getting behind to support? Yep. But we put each other in the box, brother Jay. Like, I think that's what it really essentially comes down to. Like, don't get me wrong. I I, I, I personally like the Beyonce record, right? Because it gave me like a, it gave me like an early 90s dance yeah. feel, like Crystal Waters or yeah, Lisa that's Sands what it came or something from. like that. So, all, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it made me feel like that. Now, when I was listening to Drake's records uh, with his album, I was like, okay, I could see. It didn't surprise me that he would come out with that type of record. Yeah. That, those type of albums or songs, but then I I still felt a certain kind of vibe, but you know I, I I'm I'm a I'm a junior DJ in training and shit, and so I listened to it and I found like a couple cuts that I was like oh this shit this shit actually jam, but if you automatically jump to it it's like yo put them in the box you you well, you, you, you can't do you can, you can only do gangster rap you can't do a dance album. But it's those it's those <laughs> same individuals, right, who wake up eating hot Cheetos for breakfast, right? You got to really think about who you're, uh, like, who are you allowing to adjudicate you yep. or yep. your work? Mm -hmm. And I told someone once before, I was like, yo, I don't take constructive criticism from anyone who's never built anything, right? Like, you can't give me feedback. You can't give me suggestions or input. Apply it first. And then talk about your experience, right? But like, and we see this when we're watching athletic events with other black people, right? They are the best coaches in the world. And the only thing that they played has been the lottery at the at the uh, bodega. Like fair. that's fair. So like really or, understand or the bench. that part. Oh, yeah, not even that, bro. Yeah, not yeah. even True. that. Because some of them may have the GPA to do it, right? And so, like, when we well. really want to get into qualifiers and disqualifiers. We all, we gotta consider the source. And so like listening to the the story of how like Kendrick had to fight. He ain't bother nobody. They just asked him where he lived and he gave him, this is the section I live in. Then he had to take off running for his life. Like I thought about that and I thought about some of the stories that some of my newer students have shared. And I'm just like, to Kevin's point, like shit, you you just gotta you gotta fight just to fight because that's all people know. If you're not fighting, something's wrong with you. So now I gotta prove my hood strength or my gangster or thug mentality, like my my reputation. I got it's on the line. I gotta fight you. And and then you also gotta ask yourself, like, why are they fighting individuals who's not fighting anyone? Go test your manhood against individuals that are willing and ready and wanting to fight. That's that's the test, right? And so I thought that was interesting. But to hear, like, the struggle behind the caterpillar that soon turned into the butterfly, which caused the butterfly effect of K-Dot, 
I, I did like the transmogrification of K-Dot to Kendrick Lamar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like how he acknowledged, like, oh, like I got to change. I got to transition from what I thought I wanted to what I really want to be. Um, and so I, I thought the book gave a very good descriptive and narrative of, one, behind the scenes, what was happening with Kendrick, what was happening around Kendrick, and then what was happening across the world to where small changes that K-Dot made to Kendrick Lamar and how it vastly impacted how we as a people or as a society move, right? How it became, how he became the writer of the soundtrack to the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, that part pissed me off too, though, Brother Jay. Go for it. Like when they talked about um, all of the, the different um, killings mm-hmm. at the hands of the police and like how Black of the Berry came about from the album. And then it kind of yeah. just, it kind of just ripped the Band-Aid off for me going through each scenario, whether it was Eric Gardner or- Reliving, starting um, with Trayvon, um, bro. Allo, Trayvon mm-hmm. Martin, yeah, it just... uh, Oscar Grant, yeah. uh, Mike Brown. Tamir like Rice. It was, Tamir Rice, like it legit went through all of Everybody. that shit. And then I'm still I'm still having fucking flashbacks from George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's like the same scenario over yep. and over again. And I understand like how a line could come out like you hate me don't you like you hate like like you real you legit hate me and it and it's it, it was like a it was like a bubble up rage man that that kind of brewed in me a little bit just kind of rehashing it yeah. but I, i'm i'm a little too old i'm 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 older than a 20 something now i don't have i got a little more shit to lose right now so i can't just react or respond yeah. um and so i'm i'm glad that he had the he had this outlet to kind of address those things, but I, I would say the second half of the book, um, it bothered me a little bit because it's like, yo, this is the same fucking story. Like they told a story about I forget the guy's name out of Staten Island, but I I, I learned about his situation getting killed by the police in '94 by watching the Wu Tang uh, the Wu Tang documentary on Showtime, uh, Mikes yeah. of Men, and it's it like. The guy that they killed in 94, that was like their homeboy. Yeah. Park, Park Hill is where Wu-Tang came about. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, that was 94. Then we talking about shit from 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 2020. Yeah. Like the shit just, it, I'm like, yo, when is, when, when is it going to stop? And why do we always have to be the ones defending ourselves and fighting? Because not only are you fighting, you fighting versus Crips or Bloods or fighting because you want to go to school and get an education. Fighting because you don't want to be an alcoholic. You don't want to be an alcoholic. You don't want to be a drug addict. You don't want to be a dope dealer. You trying to do something that's fucking different. And on top of that, you got to fight the fucking police. Yeah. Like the shit, like it, it, it was a trigger for me. And the upholders of the system that was created against us. Yeah. We gonna be all right. Yeah. And that's how, right? And so like the symbolism of that song and just like that was a uh, affirmation for us because he was like yo I t- in the words of Sophia all my life I had to fight like recognizing like yo I've been 
fighting ever since I was old enough to know what I didn't want. I've been fighting. And when he realized that, like, yo, we all are, when they talk about how, like, niggas are just born into the gang thing, they don't understand why they are repping certain colors and repping certain sets and territories. Like, it's getting passed down to them. A lot of these individuals didn't get, like, they didn't have a choice. My dad was, so I got to, right? They they made the decision for their offspring and the next generation. They removed, decide, kill off, remove any other option. This is what you got to do, right? And so we going to be all right, right? Like that that song, it's, it's uplifting. It angers you. It also, like, empowers you, affirms some stuff. Um, but you know, we've been turning chicken shit into chicken salad for years. And, um, centuries, let's put us centuries. Yeah. yeah. Since, since we got here, right. We've been, we, the willing led by the unknown have been doing the impossible for the ungrateful, right? We, we've been doing it for so long that I think we are able to see even in the dark sky, that small glimmer of hope and i think kendrick has has been donned as the one that's going to bring us this this hope for especially especially for a time such as this right um his latest work of art when when you read the story and you go through the background um when you go through the breakdown of the background and then you think about his most recent piece of work there's a lot that, to unfold and, and unpack and process. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I still think it points back to the title of the book, like the butterfly effect, how small consistent changes or actions create this big systemic change in terms of one, how we think and how we move as a people. One of the other things you know, I wasn't expecting to get from the book was like this history lesson on Compton and California, you know, as someone from the South, Florida is the South. I don't want to hear y'all as, as somebody from, you know, there, I, I don't know as much information about like places like California. So the Compton of today and what it used to be and what that looked like, I thought it was just interesting because I didn't know how that whole thing happened, you know, for folks who listening, you know, Compton became black really in the fifties before that it was majority white. Um, and then it started to kind of like turn when black folks were just getting unemployed. It was just folks trying to figure out how I'm going to live, how I'm going to eat, where I'm going to stay. And then it even morphed into talking about Crips and Bloods when they started, which was back in the seventies. And then the book talked about really how that crack epidemic just changed everything. And I like I know starting with the Watts riots, starting right. with the Watts riots in the late '60s, and so all of this shit comes out of like a, a, a powder keg of fuckery right. that led to more fuckery. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. The, the, it pissed me say. off, man. Like it pissed because it was just like a. You regret we like the book would started regurgitating history and it was like yeah you had you had the watch riots um you had uh 
economic displacement and employment displacement. And then you had crack on top of that. Yep. Like, like legit, like from, yeah. from 68 all Fighting. the way to the nineties, man. Like it was like bullshit on bullshit on bullshit on bullshit. Yep. Oh, let's drop, let's drop Rodney King in there. Yep. Yeah. Let's drop OJ in there. Yep. Bullshit on bullshit on bullshit on bullshit. And, and honestly, you, you kind of repeat the same fucking stories that are happening in the odd, the odds and the teens here in 2020, 2022, that like, yo, this shit been happening since we've been alive for at least 30 years. Yep. Since our parents been alive for at least 60 years. Yep. And what's that saying? It's like, if you don't know your history, you're repeated. You're going to repeat it. Repeat it. You're yeah. damn right. But I mean, so. but that goes back to the point. Like, we've been fighting, right? We've been fighting ever since we got here. Fighting for survival. Um, and now when you look at it, fighting for equal rights, fighting for protection, depending on what street you're on, fighting for love, fighting for respect, um, fighting to be acknowledged as a human being, right? And that's just on the surface for, level. For unborn babies. Fighting for unborn babies, right? Fighting just for rights just to exist. And so I... This book, I, I would say that the author did a very good job of compiling. There was a good balance of, you know, narration, history, revelation, um, which caused me to reflect and, and to ponder a few things as I continued to go on um, throughout the chapter. And so, go ahead, Jeff. I see, I see you pondering what, face. What, what were your feelings on I mean because we know the whole Macklemore situation when it happened but to kind of read go through that in this book tough what was your feelings on on that whole piece I, I was I still ain't stopped being pissed from it in the first fucking place honestly man. I've, I've been pissed since fucking 2012 13 whenever the fucking Grammys were man I've been pissed yeah. I've been yeah. pissed just because like yo that's like some that's like some Elvis over Chuck Berry shit you know what I'm saying it's like some like you sell it, and and the thing is, the Grammys have tried to get more blacker since then, right? Or or at least a little more ethnic or diverse. Let's call it what it. They they made a, a poor attempt. Mm -hmm. Um. So on one end, like I didn't take it serious to begin with because the Grammys ain't never been shit to me, no way. But at the same time, I just thought it. I I just thought it was like a a slap in the face to hip hop. Mm. I thought it was a slap in the face to black people. I thought it was a slap in the face to a legit culture that's been running this shit the last 20 years. Like, let's be real, man. Black music, black music is the pulse of the world, man. Everybody yeah. want to copy us, regardless of whatever country you from, whatever, whatever race you are, Everybody want to be black in some kind of way because the shit is dope. It's beautiful. And I thought like fucking Macklemore, that shit was disgusting to me. And that, and that was another Band-Aid that was ripped off. And I was like, where the fuck is Macklemore now? Have we heard from him? But the fact that when he uh, sent that text message, like... You sent the text message after the fact. Like, you probably shouldn't have accepted the award. Exactly. Then you you could have declined the award. 
should have been on some Kurt Franklin shit at the BET Awards when he he won the award and he was like, no, nah, Maverick City, Maverick City. Like he should have did that shit in a public forum. Yeah, like, no, I'm not taking this home with me because this, you, you nominated me, but Kendrick was the one that won, right? Like if that's how you really felt. And so, but once again, we have this dog and pony show shit that like white people tend to do after the fact, right? Like think about corporate America. They may agree with what, what you're saying in a meeting, but they ain't going to go against like certain positions. And then when you get back to your desk or get back to your office and when, Hey man, I just want to stop by and say, you know, you were right. I completely uh, agree with I you. Agree. And yeah, no, like, have you know, my, have my back in fucking public, man. I don't want that bullshit. Hell don't do no. that shit in private. Hell no, no, no. And, and you were just going to say fake. So like, when he brought it up again, I, I realized that I thought I healed from it. And it nah, was just like, ooh. We all thought. I'm still yeah. bitter. I'm still bitter about that shit, man. Because I just knew it. it man. It was shit. missing trigger warnings. That whole book, yeah. like, give me a trigger warning. Like, yeah. right before you say something, be like, TW. Yeah. So I can be like, all right, cool. Let me put this book down, do some push-ups or something. Because yeah. I, st- I was breathing heavy when I was listening to that part, y'all. I was, I was literally... Breathing heaven. I'm just like, yo, the caucasity of Macklemore to send a text message the day after. And that's 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 like that's like the that's like the fucking a prime example of his fucking privilege. Yeah. Period. But I'm still gonna take this award home. But bro, yeah, I'm still really taking the award. Man. Like you know, you're it. better. You're a better artist than me, and blah blah blah. Yeah. But I still got this shit on my uh, my trophy shelf. Like now, I speak for society. Don't nobody give a fuck about Macklemore. Oh well. Yeah. I said it. I, I didn't want to get y'all riled up. Well, you also, did, cousin Jeff. You did. Thank you. <laughs> but I also wanted to say, look, you know, it's a, it's a young man called Jack Harlow, who I and, and I'm not saying he's not a good artist. Asterisk, but this probably will happen again. I'm just more of a FYI. It's, oh yeah, I mean, it's gonna to. it's gonna happen. But the, the difference is, at least Jack Harlow. He got in a little beef with Brandy and and he put Brandy in the in the spotlight. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like yeah. acknowledge our dopeness in public. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't no don't don't give us the co-sign in the back room. You know what I'm saying? Don't send no damn text message. Because you because you because you copying our shit. You trying to you you we, we gave you the recipe, your food never gonna taste like ours. Ever. Your 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 cool ain't never gonna be like ours. Ever. You know what I'm saying? So so don't 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 play like you this dope ass this dope ass personality in public when you know when you when you no pun intended when game recognize game acknowledge yeah. my fucking game in public. Yeah, I think you know with reading the book in a similar situation, an artist that really did I feel like what you're supposed to do in that situation was the whole thing with Lady Gaga. Oh, that was you know, dope, dope. She, Perfect example, Jeff. Yeah, she thought, hey, I think this is a dope artist, etc. She um, comes to, I forget, was it, I forget the name of the uh, festival, but mm-hmm. she's at the festival. She like, look, I don't want people to really know I'm here. I just want to jam, be supportive from the back. And I think it was people like, yo, you should come on stage, etc. But she understood, look, if I come on stage, that's going to take away from his greatness. Like people are experiencing that, they're enjoying it, and it will just overshadow. It literally would have been head headline saying Lady Gaga at yeah. this festival, opposed to new artist Kendrick Lamar rocking this joint. Yeah. Exactly. So. I like Lady Gaga because you know Lady Gaga, another another uh, Kendrick Lamar peer, Wale, 
Like Lady Gaga was one on one of his first hit records, man. So I, I respect her. I respect her a lot. Yeah. Brothers, um, on the Black Power Fist scale, I know Jeff gonna have some stuff to say for the collective, not just the narrators, but the collective. What are we giving the butterfly effect? Well, um, in the spirit of bourbon and books on the Game Recognized Game podcast, I guess I'll go before my dear esteemed colleague and Howard esteemed alumnus. Um, I think Marcus Moore did a, a hell of a job um, in explaining why Kendrick was is is relevant still. Um, I think I think the author did a hell of a job in terms of interweaving um, social commentary with the development of Kendrick Lamar as an artist. And and let's and, and let's be let's 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 call the spade a spade, um, and really uh, articulating how Kendrick Lamar became a genius, man. Like yo, he's 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 one of the greatest poets and authors and writers of our time. I put him, I put, you know, and this, I, I'm not a hater, man. You know, I will put Kendrick up there with Langston Hughes, James Weldon Johnson, James Baldwin, Sean Carter, Christopher Wallace, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole to a degree as well. You know, I, I put him up there with the greatest of the greats. Um, because I think he's in tune. His soul, his soul is in tune with the soul of Black America. I wouldn't necessarily say he ignited the soul of Black America, but I think his soul is in tune with the soul of Black America. So he can speak in the in the in the in the God power of what we're experiencing, what we're going through. He can articulate things that we can't articulate ourselves. And he can put it out there to the masses, right? And so I, I think it gave me a greater appreciation of Kendrick as an artist. However, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the book four fists. I like the book. I enjoyed the book. It really it really uh, got me excited to go back and listen to uh, uh, Section Eighty, and listen to Good Kid, Mad City, and to Pimp a Butterfly all over again just because I, I think they're beautiful arts of work, uh, work of art. But at the same time, it gives me uh, just kind of more, more enthusiasm to listen, go back and listen, and then figure out how it even applies in 2022. Um, what I didn't like about the book, however, was to Jeff's point, I did think it was going to be more like a decoded Jay-Z kind of thing. And so I thought it was going to give, based on the title, I thought it was going to give a greater breakdown of like certain works of art. Like, for example, um, the, Biggie, the Biggie book gave more insight on the making of his, the, the albums that he was known for. And so I thought this book was going to be able to really tap in and talk about the, the mindset in the space 
behind which these works of art were created. And so it didn't give me like the insight that I wanted as far as like Kendrick's artistry now, but it gave me a history lesson on how Kendrick today became the artist of today. And so with that, you know, I'll give it, I'll give it four fists on the game recognized game, bourbon and books, black power fist scale. I thought that was well said. I feel like I'm rubbing off on you. You, you know, you never gonna say it, but I really just feel like I'm just rubbing <laughs> off on you. <laughs> Um, some of the things that I'm going to recall, you know, that the book kind of pointed out, which I agree, you know, the book when it talked about Kendrick, you know, they called him, you know, cerebral introvert, you know, his rap is intentional. He's a once in a generation artist. His music has touched the pulse of, you know, this culture, uh, which I felt like those phrases, those statements really, for me, captured in my mind if I had to like use certain language, like how I would describe Kendrick Lamar. Another thing I wanted to just point out was, you know, we, we talk about this, this album. Um, and for, for folks who probably haven't done like as much research, I'll just say it from a standpoint of how like the book describes it, you know, to pimp a butterfly. And I'm just saying like a short version. It's, it's a, the title kind of means like life's and struggles of modern day black America, pimping of something that's beautiful and free. That little last phrase, pimping of something beautiful and free. <laughs> I never like thought of that title from that standpoint, but I feel like being black in America, that's, that is what, <laughs> that is what is going on in society. You know, you have, Black folks who are beautiful, when I say that from a standpoint, you know, we have things that other culture wants, um, all the different features, you know, of our bodies. And then just being like free. They don't, it appears that society doesn't want us to be like free. They don't want us to be like happy. You know, we can't walk to the store with a hoodie on, or we can't be playing with the same water guns that like other kids play with, or we can't be jamming our music in our car whether it's gospel or it's gangster rap like why can't we have that same freedom and just to hear that interpretation of like that album I said well damn that was just eloquently uh, said with that being said <laughs> one of the thing that I you know didn't I'm not gonna say I didn't like about the book it was what my mindset was and then what the book was about. I appreciated this book. I still would say, you know, folks who are interested in like Kendrick Lamar want to know more about him. I still would encourage those folks to read this book. Kind of like what I said uh, earlier, you know, this book, I would say it's for a Kendrick Lamar kind of hip hop head. I would expect- And caveat, cousin Jeff, it's it's not an autobiography. Oh, correct. Yeah, it's not a, it's not correct. an autobiography. So yeah, correct. It, it's not that. I was expecting more of an analysis of like one album solely. I will say they did spend some time talking about that album, but what I was expecting was the whole book just to be solely about that just one album. Um, I think the information was good. Uh, 
and certain information I was like interested in, and you know, in terms of Kendrick, in terms of uh, West Coast, and in terms of the folks who were around him doing his matriculation. When I compare this book, like, and, and the reason why I can't get to give this book like its highest rating, because I like Kendrick Lamar as an artist. But if I knew this book, the way that it was written was going to be about Kendrick Lamar, like it wouldn't be something that I picked up. And it may just be because I'm just from the South. Now, if this was talking about Uncle Luke, Trick Daddy, Trina, Ross, Khaled, I would have been locked in. Slip and Slide Records, it would have been a, a page turner for me in the sense of I'm like, oh, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread because I've grown up around it from a sense of like, I know about those and I know about it in, in bits and pieces, but because it wasn't what I thought it would be about, even though I still think it's a good book or a great book, I'm also going to give it a four fist. Not too bad. I, I didn't think it was going to be that high, but um, within, you know, echoing everything that you all said, I will say that, I thought the content was good. It wasn't boring, right? There was a few moments where I was like, ah, okay. Um, some of the stories or some of the things being shared did go a little long. And I don't know if it was just long because like, you know, the the chapter that started with Trayvon Martin, that that seemed like a very long chapter to me. And I think that was just because of the emotional investment um, and the unhealed trauma from those experiences. Um, what I will say is that I appreciated the, the spotlight that it put on Kendrick as a person, how he um, utilized every experience that he has lived through to shape, make, mold his art to reach the masses. Um and how his song became, you know, his music became the soundtrack and how he became um, the Shakespeare of the social justice movement. That's a bar. Uh, it was it a bar. Um, so what I will say is I will give it a four and a half. Um, just on those facts alone, like there was a few things that I wanted more of. Um, but I know that I know Brother Lamar's not done. Uh, and and for the things that I felt were left untold, I think that when they are told, there'll be even more to add to it. And so I'm going to give it a four and a half, um, which which is giving us four point one six. Of a black on the on the black power fist scale. Not bad. I'll say that's not bad, right? No, I did. I was I, uh, that's legit. It is what it is, man. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think Kendrick is mysterious, right? You have some mm. people, it's like Beyonce. You you don't you know what she's put out there, but I feel like you don't know her. And for me, for this book, if it if it opened up more of like his mystery, I feel like I would have been like, okay, like 
obviously it, it has told us about different things in terms of him, you know, that mm-hmm. we didn't know, but that mysterious part of him, I still like, we still, we still trying to figure that out. I agree. I agree. That's and good. I think, like I said, once the next book comes out with, you know, more stories and mysteries to be told about, you know, how Black Panther 2, how it was inspired and how that also elevated the movement and how he was a part of that. Like the things that he has ignited, as the book title said, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading the next Bound about the brother. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, you know, that's the whole 2020 COVID memoir, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I I I think I think the the setup of the butterfly uh, butterfly effect will go over very well with that particular piece of work. Absolutely. Yeah, from a, at least from a historical perspective, because I see what the book was trying to do. Yeah. All right, well, you say, you say, what is it, Brother J? 4. 4.17. 4.17. 4.17 on the Black Power Fist scale for Marcus J. Moore's uh, book. I think it's uh, half autobiography, half memoir, half fan appreciation, half uh, social commentary uh, context of, of a book. Marcus J. Moore's The Butterfly Effect. How Kendrick Lamar ignited the soul of Black America. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. You've just witnessed another edition of Bourbon and Books on the Gang Recognized Gang podcast with RLJ and Kev. I'm KEV, that's RLJ, along with Cousin Jeff. Until next time, remember Black men read and be light. Be light. Like-